Chapter sixteen of the Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred, part three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee, Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred, part three, by Francois Rene de Chateaubriand, chapter sixteen. London from April till September, eighteen twenty two. Wagons of the Prince de Ligne, women of Namur i find my brother at brussels our last parting i must have remained nearly two hours in a state of insensibility the prince de ligne's wagons came by one of the drivers stopping to cut a birch switch stumbled over me he supposed me dead and gave me a push with his foot which produced some sign of life he called his companions and moved by an impulse of pity with their aid lifted me into one of the wagons the jolting brought me to my senses I spoke to the men and told them that I was a soldier belonging to the army of the princes, and that if they would take me to Brussels, I would reward them for their trouble. Very well, comrade, replied one of them. But you must get down at Namur, because we are forbidden to take any one in the wagons. We will wait for you at the other side of the town. I requested a drink and swallowed a few drops of brandy, which again brought the symptoms of my malady to the surface, and relieved my chest for a short time. Nature had endowed me with extraordinary strength of constitution. About ten in the morning we arrived in the suburbs of Namur. I alighted and followed the wagons at some distance, but soon lost sight of them. At the gate of the town I was stopped, and while my papers were being examined I sat down under the archway. The soldiers on guard, at sight of my uniform, offered me a fragment of munition bread, and the corporal gave me some brandy in a blue glass mug. Seeing that I hesitated to drink from the cup of military hospitality, "'Take it,' cried he, in anger, accompanying his injunction with a sacrament de teufel. My walk through Namur was a weary one. I dragged myself along, supporting myself against the houses. The first woman who saw me quitted her shop, gave me her arm with an air of compassion, and assisted me to walk. I thanked her, and she replied, No thanks, soldier. Other women soon joined us, bringing bread, wine, fruit, milk, soup, old clothes, and coverings of various kinds. He's wounded, said some, in their Flemish French patois. He has the smallpox, cried others, hurrying away the children. But, young man, you cannot walk, you will die. Remain at the hospital. They wished to take me to the hospital. They relieved each other from door to door, and thus assisted me to the town gate, outside which I found the wagons. I have before spoken of a peasant woman who aided me in my need. I shall soon have to speak of another who took care of me at Guernsey. O oh, women who assisted me in my hours of distress, if ye are still living, may God comfort you in your old age and in your griefs. If ye have quitted this world, may your children share the portion of happiness so long denied me by heaven. These women helped me to climb into the wagon, recommended me to the driver, and forced me to accept a woollen coverlet. I perceived that they treated me with a sort of respect and deference. In a Frenchman's nature there is something superior and refined, which is immediately recognised by other nations. The Prince de Ligne's people once more set me down at the gate of Brussels, and refused to take my last three-franc piece. No innkeeper in the town would receive me. The wandering Jew, that popular Orestes, whom the poem brings to Brussels, Carne fut dans la ville de Bruxelles en Brabant, was better received than I, for he always had five sous in his pocket. I knocked, the door was open, but at sight of me they cried, Go on, go on, and shut the door in my face. I was even driven from a coffee-house. My hair fell in disorder over my face, half concealed by my beard and mustachios. Round my thigh was twisted a wisp of hay, and over my tattered uniform I wore the coverlet, given me by the women of namur knotted at my throat after the manner of a cloak the beggar in the odyssey was more impudent than i but not so poor 
I had first presented myself at the hotel where I had formerly lodged with my brother, but in vain. I now made a second attempt, and as I came up to the door, saw the Count de Chateaubriand just getting out of a carriage, accompanied by the Baron de Montboissier. He was quite frightened at the spectral appearance I presented. The master of the hotel absolutely refused to receive me, and a room was sought elsewhere. A barber offered a paltry lodging, suited to my miserable condition. My brother brought a surgeon and a doctor. He had received letters from Paris and an invitation from M. de Malzerbe to return to France. He told me of the events of the 10th of August, of the massacres of September, and other political news, of which I had not heard a word. He approved of my intention of going to Jersey, and lent me twenty-five louis d'or. My weakened sight scarcely enabled me to distinguish my unfortunate brother's features. I believed that the darkness emanated from myself, while in reality it was the shadow of eternity encompassing him. We were unconsciously looking on each other for the last time. No human being can, while he lives, count on the possession of more than the present moment. The next is in the hands of God. There are always two chances against our reunion with the friend from whom we part our death or his how many men have never again ascended the stairs they have gone down death touches us more before than after the decease of a friend such a death is as it were a part of ourselves being detached a world of recollections of childhood family intimacies common interests and affections dissolving my brother was the first-born of my mother he sat before me by the paternal hearth he waited several years to receive me to give me my name and to become entwined with my youth my blood, had it been mingled with his in the revolutionary vase, would have resembled it, as milk produced from pasture on the same mountain has a similar flavour. But if men have prematurely deprived my elder brother, my godfather, of his head, years will not spare mine. My brow is already being despoiled of its ornament. I feel an ugolino time leaning over me and gnawing my brain. Com pan per fame al manduca. End of chapter 16